Good morning, Bethel's Rock. Let's lift up the name of Jesus as we worship today. You were the word at the beginning, one with God, the Lord most high. You hid in glory in creation, now revealed in you our Christ. What a beautiful name it is. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus Christ, my King. What a beautiful name it is, nothing compares to this. What a beautiful name it is, the name of Jesus.
lift up your name, the name of your son, Jesus. We speak his name over every situation and circumstance. We say, Jesus, demons tremble and darkness flee. I just want to speak the name of Jesus over every heart and every mind cause i know there is peace within your presence i speak jesus oh i just want to speak the name of jesus till every dark addiction starts to break Declaring there is hope and there is freedom, I speak Jesus. Your name is power, your name is healing, your name is love. Break every stronghold, shine through the shadow. This year for Easter, I decided to travel from Minnesota to Florida asking the question, is death final in promotion for our Easter services? But the catch was, I wasn't planning on taking my car. I was going to rely on complete strangers uh, to take me there. So I was hitchhiking. This is how that went. I don't know. I think you're going to have to pass. Yeah, oh, to hitchhike. Yeah. To We're hitchhike. literally... It's very dangerous. Yeah, I, I, I know that. Everybody. Yeah. This is really helping me get over my fear of rejection. So it didn't go exactly how I thought it would, but it was harder to ask people for rides than it was to tell them about Jesus. And that's kind of the whole point uh, of what we were doing this for. So I decided to call my dad and ask him if he wanted to drive us all the way down to Florida uh, so we could just focus on preaching and connecting with people. So we got on the road and got right back to business. On our way to Florida, we stopped at each major city and college campus asking strangers what they believe comes after death. Here's just a few of those answers. I've seen too much of my life for there not to be anything, but like at the same point, I don't know what. Since uh, my family is Hindu, so I really thought about it. I'm just taking my parents' beliefs, I guess. I guess you're reincarnated after a certain while. I believe we reincarnate into something. When you die, life ain't over. You're going to come back as a cat, a dog or something. 
um, what, what it's called, reincarceration. I drowned and was resuscitated. So I don't know how many people you'll be talking to that have have died, technically. I didn't like see a light or nothing like that. I think we're built to uh, experience things in a way that is comprehensible, but I, I do believe that there is probably a whole lot more out there than we would be able to fully wrap our minds around. I haven't heard from anyone who's died and then communicated, right? I'm kind of blown away that there, there's so much a religion attached to that. You know what I mean? Like tradition, religion, uh, and that's their basis on who Jesus is. It's like an apathy. It's like it's like yeah. so sad because there's so many people that are just like, oh, just, I'm okay. Like, and if that makes you feel better, then you can believe what you want to believe. And it's yeah. like, I want to like shake them. I'm like, no. <laughs> I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, right? I'm a, I'm a believer in Christ. Would you say you're happy now? I'm very happy. Yeah. I'm glad. Yeah. You know? People, I think we're definitely uh, like afraid of our own mortality and, yeah. and of the end. But I think it's, if we get comfortable with that via philosophy, therapy, or religion, you know, yeah. whatever medium that you use is totally acceptable. Yeah. As far as like religion, in my opinion, something people like to tell themselves to cope with the thought of death and nothing else coming after it. Yeah. But it's a good collective, it brings people together. Dude, you I, mind grew if up, I... I grew up Catholic. Yeah. I still am Catholic, I still go to church. Yeah, Nothing dude. against it. I grew up with religion. This ain't it. Evidence is something that the Creator wants to provide to you. I had an encounter with God, changed my life. When I say I follow Jesus, it's not like I'm delusional or hear voices. Like I literally, I literally know God like a friend. What's your opinion on Jesus? On Jesus? Um... I have got baptized, so I believe everything that he has told me, and I follow his word. But Like when you say you follow his teachings and stuff, like what was he teaching? Like with the Ten Commandments, um, so I'll get, I guess that was Moses, my bad, but you know, just following his word. Um, What's his word? <laughs> <laughs> when you say you're a Catholic, like, what does that mean? Like what do you believe? Uh, like I believe in God, Jesus, and all that. What did Jesus teach? Uh, it's been I not the most studious on that. You know why he went to the cross? He was not murdered. The Bible actually talks about that he freely laid down his life. And you want to know why he stood on that cross? It's because he realized if he got down from it, Trey would have to go back up on there. Trey got himself into this mess and he can't get himself out. So I am going to step in and I'm going to save him. God is very holy. You're not getting to his presence without Jesus. I am not. We're stained by sin. The blood, what it did is it cleaned your conscience. So you can step into God's throne room with boldness, it says, as a child. And when you believe, this is all it is. You look upon that cross and say, no, I receive that. I accept that. I believe what he did. You're a new creation. You know God like I know George Washington. I read about him in a book. He doesn't want that for you, bro. He went through way too much in order to establish a, a relationship with you. He doesn't want you to hear about him from second hand. He wants to give you his spirit so you can hear his voice. Do you want that? I do, yeah. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Incredible way of thinking. I like that. The reason why we ask the question, is death final, is because it includes everyone. I don't care what your religious background is. Uh, death is a reality we all face. And of all the other religions, with teachers providing a way to enlightenment or theories of what comes after death, there is one empty tomb.
We had numerous people give their life to Christ for the first time, and we even had someone that decided to get baptized right there on the beach, was just sick of the status quo and living uh, a tradition and a religion, but had no relationship with God and, and wanted to take that first step. And so he got baptized and it was crazy because he came out of the water and he's just so emotional and telling me that he's like, it's so crazy because I came to the same beach. I used to come to the same beach and I would look at the sunset, hoping that it would calm my anxiety and I would find peace. And today I found peace, but it wasn't in the sunset, it was in God. Don't wait till the breath leaves your lungs for you to get acquainted with your creator. The kingdom of God is here. Here at Bethel's Rock, that's Pastor Alex, our online campus pastor. You know, when he originally told me he was going to take that trip, I thought, I can't wait to see what happens. But we're not telling anyone, because <laughs> uh, he, he really wanted to hitchhike his way to Florida, which is just crazy. But how many are glad you got some crazy 22-year-olds that are part of our church? You know, uh, it's, a, it's an incredible question we're going to answer today, is death final? And, um, but before I start, I, I want to just stop for a moment, because I know there, there are some here today, and you're like, I'm here because grandma said she would pay me money to come to church with her, or, or I get to go out to lunch together. So, so I, I, just want, I just want you to ask you to do just one thing. Just for a moment, consider, just consider that there is a God. That's just, that's pretend, if you don't believe, that's just for pretend that there is a God, and that, that, that God created everything we saw, that everything we see in nature, He created all of it, and, and since we're in that place of just saying, okay, so maybe it, there is a God and, and he did create all of this, then, then he created us, okay? If he created us, isn't it feasible? Because this is the problem I think a lot of people have, is there's even Christians that don't believe this, that God, the creator of the universe, speaks to you. It's one thing to believe God created everything. It's another thing to believe that there was purpose in what he created, but there are a whole lot of people that struggle in this one little thing that God wants to speak to you. He doesn't want to be like George Washington to those who just studied him in a book. He wants to be known. And there's a lot of us who've come to the place where we approach God in religion, and we call it relationship. But we never hear the voice of God. You cannot have a relationship with God if you don't know his voice. Because his sheep follow him because they know his voice. That's what the Bible says. So if you're here and you're saying, I don't even believe there's a God. I don't believe that this whole thing was created by God. I just don't. I'm just here to get a free meal. Well, I'm glad you're here and I hope you enjoy your meal. But while you're here, just consider for a moment something that I believe I, I, that that will change your life if you'll say, okay, I don't believe there's a God, but if there is, I want him to reveal it to me today. I want him to reveal it to me, and I want to hear his voice. I want to know his voice. I want to know it's real, because God wants to do that. We don't believe there's a God because we're trying to cope with our fear of death. We believe there's a God because 
We've experienced him. And we can't deny he exists because we've experienced the unseen in our life. So I want to talk about this question, is death final? A question that quite frankly has been asked for generation after generation and generation for thousands of years. And, and Job, which the, the book of Job is the oldest book in the entire world. We think of the Bible all being put together all at the same time. Actually, the Bible is a collection of books that were written over a thousand-year period. And the oldest book in the Bible and the oldest book in the world is the book, book, the book of Job. Job 14, 14 says, If someone dies, will they live again? All the days of my hard service, I will wait for my renewal to come. Philosophers and scientists have been wrestling with this whole idea of what, what happens five minutes after we die. What takes place five minutes after we die? You know, if you believe in evolution, the one question I never hear addressed by anyone who believes in evolution is how did death enter the world? They all want to talk about where life came from, but where did death come from? Where did the end of things come from? It's an equally, and some would argue, an even more important question that needs to be answered. And I'm going to try to answer that today using what I believe will clearly lay out whether or not death is final. So it's the question, is death final? Can we live again? Jesus was asked this question by multiple people, a rich, young ruler. He had everything that you could imagine. He had wealth. He had power, and he was young. Asked Jesus' question, how can I have eternal life? Just then a man came up to Jesus and asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to get eternal life? Isn't that how we kind of judge whether we'll get it or not? Well, I'm a good person, so I deserve it. You know what Jesus' response to that person was? There is no good person. There isn't one good person that deserves heaven. Not one. Another person came up to Jesus and asked him in Mark 10, 17, as Jesus started on his way, a man ran up to him and fell on his knees before him. He said, good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit, inherit eternal life? A religious leader came up to him and said, because the Sadducees, one side of the political spectrum of the religion of the day was the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection. The Pharisees, the other side of that, of that faction, said, we do believe in the resurrection. And, and people were left in the middle wondering, what, what is the resurrection? Is it or isn't it? And Jesus, in that moment, says, yes, there is a resurrection. You must be born again, which opens up a whole different set of discussion. You know, while people really pondered the origin of life and where it came from, maybe we should take more time to consider where we're going. For as you are, you will be no more. It's interesting. No one likes to think about death. Three million people die in America every year. 54% of Americans, when polled, said that they never think about death, ever. That Maybe on occasion they'll think about it at a funeral and they'll consider death at a funeral. But other than that, they, they are never thinking about death. Those numbers have gone up drastically now because of COVID. In fact, because of COVID, they've instead, there's all kinds of different 
platforms that have arisen. One, they now have death dinners. That's an interesting small group concept. Come over to my house. We're going to talk about dying today. It'll be a great time. Very uplifting. <laughs> right? Then there are death salons where they think about death, drink craft beers, and cope with death. Death cafes where they drink coffee and cope with death. There's a YouTube series out. I wouldn't recommend going to see it, but it's Ask a Mortician. You know, something that we, just uplifting, you know, happy Easter. <laughs> a few years ago, I did a series called 30 Days to Live, and uh, I brought up the fact that they, have, they created a death clock which determines when you will die based on a set of questions that they ask you. What I didn't realize would happen was while I was preaching the message, people were going on the death clock rather than listening to the message. So don't do that today. You don't want to know when it says you're going to die. <laughs> the presence of death is all around us. And isn't it interesting that as our culture removes Christ from its, its community platforms, that we're surprised that we see more death all around us, more killing than we've ever seen. You can't remove life from something and expect there not to be a consequence for that. We're only going to see more killing. You could take away guns and it's still going to increase because what remains when you take God and life out of a platform or a community is what Satan's very identity is to come to kill, steal, and destroy. See, the absence of life is death, and it's all around us. So I want to answer this question today. Is death final? Is it final? The answer is, and there's two points. I got two points. In fact, these points, they're two. They're very short point. You will, you will memorize these points before you leave today, okay? Here is death final. Here it is. Yes. Point number one. Yes. Everyone is going to die. It's the finality of death. When you go to a funeral, everyone comes to the funeral knowing that the pers person that's in that casket, they come to say their goodbyes even though They've already passed on and they've already done their goodbyes. You know in that moment when you're looking at that casket or urn or that picture of, of the person in the celebration of life that, that you're, you're no longer going to talk to them and you think about how life will be different, the things that will change. You'll never have holidays again with them. You're, you're never going to have those phone calls that you have in, in those moments. There's a finality. There's a grieving that takes place because you realize in that moment death is final. That it's, it's over. Hebrews 9.27 says, just as people are destined to die once, after that to face judgment. Ecclesiastes 3.2, as the old Beatles song would say, there's a time to be and a time to die. Some of you looking at me like, I don't know that stuff. <laughs> I, I mean, that's, way, that's for older people. I'm too young for those songs. But. <laughs> Here's the reality. You cannot escape death. Benjamin Franklin said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and, oh, you're very certain. <laughs> there's, an, there's a fable that uh, Peter Marshall, 
used to tell of a merchant in Baghdad. I often tell this fable when doing a funeral. I don't do as many funerals anymore because our campus pastors do that. But when I do, I, often this fable will come up. It's about a master who had had a servant. And the servant, he, he sent his servant to the market to do some business. And when the servant got down to the market to do business, he, he was doing his thing when he felt the brush of a dark figure with a hood brush up next to him, and he turned to look at it, and the, and the figure looked at him, and he looked in the face of death. He knew it was death. He looked, and he saw death. With great fear, he fled that place and went back to his master, and he said, Master, Master, please let me use your horse. I need to flee to Samara. And he goes, Sir, why are you so afraid? Why, why so much fear? And he says, you don't understand, today I was in the market and I met with death. I looked death in the eyes and he's come for me. I need to flee to Samara. Well, the master, he, he said, absolutely, take my horse. And he went and rode to Samara. After some time, the master thought, this was a rude thing that this figure had done. So I'm going down to talk to him about why he did it. So he went down and he looked in the market and he found this hooded figure, and he went up to him, and he says, are you death? And he goes, yes, I am. And he says, you scared my servant. Why did you do that? Why did you scare my servant? And he goes, oh, I'm sorry, sir. I was just shocked to see him here because I have an appointment with him tomorrow in Samara. It doesn't matter how far you run. It doesn't matter how you try to protect yourself from death. Death is going to find you. There is an appointed time. There is a time, and you don't know what it is or when it will be. Death is going to find you, and there's a finality in death. There are no redos. There's no such thing as reincarnation. You're not going to come back as a dog or a cat. And enough with the emails on the cats. <laughs> after last week, that's an inside story in all the people who are hurt feelings after last week. You're not coming back as a dog. You're not coming back as a horse. You're not coming back as a tree. There isn't going to be a time when a red fern grows over your head or you're going to become one with energy or nature. There, there is no Groundhog Day where you get to redo the mistakes of your day. I mean, it's final. There's no going back and reliving. There's no trying to fix the wrongs. It's interesting to me because um, Billy Graham was asked a, a question. They asked him at a college event, uh, in life, what is the one thing that you've discovered? And very quickly he responded to this by saying, life is short. Life is short. It's here today and it's gone. James 4, 14 says, why do you not even know what will happen tomorrow? What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. It's gone. Isn't it interesting? And, and I find this to be incredibly interesting, that we're so stingy with money and resources that God says, I have endless supply of, and then we waste our time, which is limited, and you don't get any more of. A few years ago, I did a series called 30 Days to Live. How would your life change if you discovered you only had 30 days to live? 
What decisions would you make? How would you live differently if you discovered that you only had 30 days to live? In fact, in Jesus' life, he knew what was going to happen. He knew he was going to die on the cross. And we see in the Gospels, much of what's recorded in the Gospels is referring to the, 30, the last 30 days of his life and, and the impact he made that we're experiencing still today. How would your life change because there's an eternal destination? See, death is final. You get options right now to choose between what will happen five minutes after you're dead. After you die and you're in, your life on this planet is done, there are options. But five minutes later, there are none. It's over. There's a finality. And what's, what's out there beyond death is sealed. It's done. And there is an eternal destination. In fact, in Luke 16, 27 to 31, it says this. He answered, then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. See, what's going on in this story is um, Jesus is telling the story of a rich man and Lazarus. And the rich man had lived for himself his whole life, and Lazarus was a believer in God but didn't have it. They go into a pit called, and before Christ, I have to share this, before Christ, it was not hell when they died. Before Christ, it was a place called Sheol. Say Sheol with me. Sheol was a place where the righteous and the unrighteous abided. And you say, well, why did they abide? There was a great chasm between the two. They could communicate to one another, but there was a chasm between the two. The reason the righteous went to Sheol, just like the unrighteous, they both went to the same place, was because Jesus had not validated their sacrifices. The, the sacrifices of the people in the Old Testament we're useless if the Messiah never dies on the cross. But the moment he died on the cross, he validated all of their sacrifices. So when they, when they did the sacrifices in the Old Testament, they were doing it in faith that one would come and validate the sacrifice they were making. It was at that point, and we talk a lot about on Friday, Good Friday, and how many enjoyed Good Friday and celebrating, right, and what he did on the cross. But, and, we, and we celebrate the resurrection on Sunday, but we often overlook what took place on, su on Saturday morning. It said that when Jesus died, he descended into Sheol. And he set free those who were righteous. And he took them with him to heaven and turned Sheol into hell. The abiding of the unrighteous and the righteous present with the Lord. We'll talk a little bit more. You'll see this a little bit more in Scripture as we get there. So this is prior to Jesus validating the sacrifice. Both are in this place together. And Abraham and, and the rich man, they're talking over this chasm to one another. And the rich man is saying, he's pleading with Abraham, warn my family so that they will not also come to this place of torment. Abraham replied, they have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. Isn't it funny that that was the logic, and I think the logic of many, and yet Jesus Christ came, he was dead, and then he came and said it exists, and we still won't believe it. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced, even if someone rises from the dead and tells them. 
because there's this rebellious resistance to want to believe. And why? And why? So here's the question. How will you die? Many will die in their sins and hope for the best. They'll die in their sin. They'll say, I heard, I, I was there at Bethel's Rock in April and I heard the message, but I, I just don't believe. It cannot be true. I just don't think it's right. I've been in too many science classes that quite frankly, I don't know if they even use science at times, that have told me it can't be true. I just don't believe. Is the question you just don't believe because you haven't had the proof or you just don't want to believe because you're afraid of religion? Because you were brought up in something that was very restrictive and condemning and demanding and shame-filled because that's not what I'm talking about this morning. That's actually death. Jesus came to give you life. Look at what he says because if you think if you think, if you're going to take the risk and you're going to say, I think I've lived good enough that when I get to heaven, even if I was wrong, God will let me in. Or, 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 you're, you're, I believe God is such a loving God that he wouldn't send anyone to hell. You're right. He is that kind of loving God that he wouldn't send anyone to hell. But your premise is all wrong because you were born going to hell. He sent his son, Jesus Christ, so that you would simply believe so that you could be rescued from hell. You literally have to step over what I'm saying today in the love of God to get in. And that's what rebellion resistance does. To say, I just refused. Look, look at this, John 8, 21, 24 says, Once more Jesus said to him, I'm going away, and you will look for me, and you will die in your sin. Where I go, you cannot come. This made the Jews ask, will he kill himself? Is, is that why he says, where I go, you cannot come? But he continued, you are from below, I am from above. You are of this world, I'm not of this world. I told you that you would die in your sins if you do not believe that I am he. You will indeed die in your sins. He's saying it's final. You're going to die. It's final. If you choose, it, like, like the death is final. No going back five minutes after you die. No getting there and going, oh, now I see it. I changed my mind. It's too late. He says, you'll die in, this, die in your sins. See, there's two kingdoms. There's the kingdom of God and there's the kingdom of this world. And the kingdom people and the kingdom of God are not trying to redeem the kingdom of the world. We're trying to rescue people out of it. So do you believe? Do you believe that he was the Messiah? Do you believe that he was God in a body? Do you believe that he died on a cross to redeem you of your sins? Here's point number two. What was point number one? Is death final? Here's point number two. No. Didn't I tell you to remember it well? Is death final? Yes. And no. Death is not final. Death is not final for anyone. You see, unfortunately, the lie has been told that we will cease to exist. 
that you'll have eternal life. We thought what that meant was you'll live forever and exist forever, and those who don't have eternal life will cease to exist. But that's not true at all because you were created to be an internal being. You will never cease to exist. That's why suicide is never a solution because suicide just takes you from one place and puts you into another hoping it gets better. You do not cease to exist. Death is not final. You know, Jesus came to the planet and what's incredible is Jesus said, I'm not, just, I'm, just, I'm not just like the human that's anointed by God that has the Holy Spirit, like I am God. You imagine how crazy that would be if someone in this room got up here and said, hey, everyone, look into my eyes, I'm God. How, what would you have to do to convince people in this room that you were God? I mean, it's one thing to convince them that you were the Messiah, right? And in their mind, they thought the Messiah was just like another Moses, that he was a human operating in the anointing of God. But Jesus didn't come just to say, I'm a, a Messiah. He had, to, he had to convince them he was not only the Messiah, but he was actually God, the creator of the universe that once resided in a box called the Ark of the Covenant that now resided in a body, and that when they were looking into the eyes of Jesus, they were looking into the eyes of the one who created them. That they were looking into the eyes of the creator of the universe. Why would Jesus come? Why would, why would he, God come in, in a body like Jesus? Why would he do that? Here's the first reason Jesus came, was to let you know that God exists. He said, listen... God, like God is real. He exists. So if creation wasn't enough to prove to you there's a creator, any more than this building's here to prove to you there's a builder, there came a man and his name was Jesus and it was God. And he said, I'm here to let you know that you aren't foolish to believe that there is a God. Here's number two, a second reason why he came, to demonstrate God's character and will towards you. Listen, a lot of you people believe there's a God, but you, you think God is here to, to, to make you serve him. You have a view of God, but God loves you. Jesus said, God loves you. Like, we love you. We, our attitude towards you is that of mercy and of love and of, of wanting to show you your value and how important you are and the incredibleness of who you are, that you're not an animal, you're not like your pets. Sure, I'll get another email over that. <laughs> but you have incredible value. Here's the third thing, to reveal the unseen kingdom of God, that there is a kingdom separate than this kingdom. But here's the fourth one, it's the one I really want to get at. Look at this, to confirm there is a resurrection Jesus came to tell you that there is a life after this life on this planet, that this is a mist. It comes today and it's gone, but there is something beyond this place. He died on the cross. He was raised from the dead, proclaiming that we would have life after death. I love John 14. As John 14 is this, this promise that God gives us, and, and this is what it says in John 14. 
14, he says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? Can I tell you something? There is a special place in heaven for you. Too many people maybe have said to you, there's a special place in hell for you. You know where that word came from? It came from Satan. Satan's like, I've prepared a place for you. And I'm here to tell you, I don't care how evil you are, if you are Hitler personified, God has prepared a place for you in heaven. Because his power to transform your life is just that good. It's just that good. And I think at times, if God could ever be surprised, and I'm sure he's not, I think he'll be shocked. If, if there was anything he'd be shocked by, it's the vacancies that are in heaven. Where he's like, they didn't, they didn't believe? Like they chose to be get condemned and guilty and live in shame? Like who does that? Who doesn't say, these are my great mistakes and failures? Well, I'll come and purchase them. No, no, I want to hang on to them. They make me feel really bad about myself. I prefer it that way. Because somehow you think you're doing your penance for it. To reject Christ is to reject, reject the gift of him saying, I purchased it all. And by the way, you may keep hang on to it, but you can't tell him he owns it. He purchased all of it. It's his. And if I go and prepare, prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me to be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. So let me give you a few proofs, because I, I always got to give you proofs to those people who are thinking, well, this is just some preacher, and he's just you, but let me give you some proofs. Here's the, here's, because there's no, science can't tell you what's going to happen after death. Here's the philosophical proof, Okay. Why do we hunger for meaning and ultimate meaning, not just temporary meaning, for our lives to matter in our whole life if there's nothing beyond this life? If there's nothing beyond this point, why do we crave for meaning in life? Why do we worry about what th people are going to say about us at our funeral? Why do we think? And, and most of us know that the, the place where people lie the most is at a funeral. Right? Why is it that we crave for meaning? Why is it we crave? If we're dead and we no longer exist and it's over, why do we care about what's beyond this place? Ecclesiastes says, He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has also set eternity in the human heart. Yet no one can fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. No one can fathom. Because you know why? You're an eternal being. Eternity is in your heart. Like you not only want to live forever, like it's in you. There's this thing in you that just senses you're going to be here forever, that you will never cease to exist. So here's the premise. Here's the premise. The human mind and existence craves things that exist. The human mind and existence craves things that exist. So the question is, does that mean that just because we have a hunger for something, it means it exists? Yeah, well, think of it this way. How many have hunger? You crave food, right? There are times where I crave liver. And thank goodness it, it exists. 
How many crave, you're like, you, you're thirsty, right? And there's something to drink. How many crave air, and there's air, right? There's a sex drive, and there's sex. There's, there's desire to be happy, and there are things that make you happy. There, when there are cravings that are in us, and they're in us, because there's something that fulfills the craving. That craving to live forever is a craving in us because we're going to live forever. So if that's not enough, let me give you historical proof. Matthew 27, 52 to 53 says, The tombs also were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they went into the holy city and appeared to many. Like, you ever, like, wondered, is Bob Hope dead? Did we do his family? Yeah, you know, there are certain people who are dead. You can't remember if they died or not, right? But there are people you know are dead because you went to their funeral. You know they were dead. Jesus, when he went down on that, on that morning after being crucified, he went in. He released those who were righteous from Sheol, and he was taking them up to heaven. And on his way up, he said, hey, guys, you know, I need to take a pit stop. I got I to gotta talk to Mary. So, well, Lord, what are we going to do? And there's like, ah, oh, just hang out. See what, what Herod's done to the place. <laughs> Literally, people witnessed. Dead people. I mean, they're sitting at Cain's chicken. <laughs> Didn't we just go to their funeral like 10 years ago? I mean, like, <laughs> dead people walking around. I see dead people. <laughs> That only makes sense to those who've seen the movie. <laughs> right? These people were alive. They weren't dead. There was historical proof, witnesses that saw it happen. If that's not enough, how about the logical proof? If philosophical and historical doesn't do it for you, what about the logical proof? Here are the disciples. Watch Jesus crucified. They know that the Pharisees are probably going to deal with them. They go and hide. Because they're not going to die for a lie. Jesus said he was the Messiah, but now he's dead. What are we going to do? We got to go hide. We got to go save our life, right? It doesn't make any sense. They go, and, they go and do that. Meanwhile, the, the Mary and Mary go down to, to anoint Jesus' body with spices. Why? Because that's what you do. Because they all expected what happens when you die. They stay dead. But they get there and he's no longer there. Think of this. Every one of those disciples that went and hid out of fear for a lie, every one of them except one became a martyr for a lie? No. You know what happened? When they were hiding, they thought death was final. But when they saw Jesus resurrected, they realized death isn't final. And I can't actually... I can't actually live until I'm no longer afraid to die. I can't actually have life until, and they're like, you know what, kill us, but you can't, because death isn't final. We go to a better place, like heaven is in second place to this world. 
It's way better than this place. And if that's not enough, there's biblical proof. One of the most credible books in the world, the most credible book in the world says in John 10, 28, I give you them eternal life and they shall never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. No one will snatch them out of my hand. That literally what happened, when you come into Christ, it says that they cover you, he covers you with the blood. So this is what happens. When it comes to die, you don't die. Like literally, death does not have sting in your life. Look at 1 Corinthians. It says, but if it is preached that Christ has been raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? If there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, our preaching is useless and so is your faith. Verse 26, but the last enemy to be destroyed is death. So this is what happens. For all of those that are afraid of death, what will happen after death? You're afraid of death. When you realize that when I come to the point of death and that death angel that approached the man in the marketplace comes to you, he literally passes over you because the blood of Jesus covers you and essentially you go, goodbye world, and you step into eternity. Like death is defeated. You don't die. You don't even have a remote, even experience of death. It's just a transfer from this place and the place to come. 2 Corinthians 5.8 says, We are confident, yes, well, please, rather to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So there are two places. There's eternal death and eternal life. And I think what happens is we confuse death and life with existence, whether we exist or not. See, there's eternal death, and eternal death is where Satan rules, and his character is to kill, steal, and destroy. He doesn't care about you. It's all about you serving him. But in the kingdom of heaven, which is the new earth, see, we're not going to spend an eternity in heaven. We're going to spend an eternity in a new earth, and you're not going to spend an eternity in hell. You're going to spend an eternity in the punishment for hell and the death death and Satan and his angels. Question is, is where? You know, in the new heaven and the new earth, when we, when we look at uh, the new heaven and new earth, it, Matthew 19, 29 says, everyone who's left houses, brothers, sisters, fathers, mothers, wife, children, or fields, for my sake will receive a hundred times as much and will in turn it, inherit eternal life. Everything God has planned for you will be, just as Adam and Eve, I've often, what will, what will the new earth be like? Johnny Carson asked Billy Graham one time, will there be golf in heaven? And Billy, Billy, uh, uh, you know Billy. I just forgot his name, Billy Graham. How do you forget his name? Out of all names. Right? He said to him, Johnny, if you get to heaven, and you need golf to be happy, it will be there. See, the, here's the reality. All of those things you enjoy to do, all of those things that fulfill you, all those things you desire on, that, that happen here will be in heaven without the brokenness of this world that taints all of it. It'll be there. This will be this incredible place where we'll experience life as God intended it to be. Wow. See, here's the problem, though. There's some people today, when I tell you about the lake of fire, however, you're going to say, yeah, I want to invite Christ to my life because I want to escape the fire, kind of like fire insurance. 
you, you, can I be honest with you? You never got saved. Salvation never comes to a man through fear. Because fear only comes from Satan. Fear is Satan's last attempt to keep you from really accepting Christ. So if he can scare you out of something rather than you, you see, whenever you're running from something, you never end up where you're supposed to be. You have to run to something. You will only experience salvation when you get a revelation of his love for you and it compels you to run to him. Does that make sense? If I told you, you know, if I took this young lady over here and I said to you, you're getting married to that guy over there or I'm going to kill you, you're going to say probably, okay, but your relationship's going to be pretty dysfunctional. In fact, in your mind, you never really married them. You only did it out of fear of what would happen to you. Do you get it? Satan's whole attempt is to think you're saved because you don't want to go to hell. You'll never go to heaven because you don't want to go to hell. You'll only experience eternal life when you want Jesus. Religion says you can scare, but not in a relationship with Jesus. It's only when you know his love for you. Lake of fire, it says, this is how bad the lake of fire is. If your hand or your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off, throw it away. It is better for you to enter life maimed and crippled than to have two hands or two feet and be thrown into the eternal fire. This is a great place. It's interesting. In the story of uh, Moses and the, all the plagues that happened, the angel of the Lord or the angel of death passed over them because the blood covered them. And they knew who their Savior was. Every one of us in here need a Savior. Right? Is death final? Yeah. Because when it happens, and nobody knows when, when it happens, we can't decide what, what takes place after it. It's final. Is death final? No. We will live for eternity. The question is, is where? In the special place God's prepared for you? Or in the place Satan is preparing for you? Will you stand? I'm going to ask you to close your eyes just for a moment. If there's something in your life right now, you know, I need to invite, I want to start this journey with Jesus. Like, I want to start this journey by inviting Christ in my life. And you say, well, I don't know if I believe all the stuff you got to believe in order to be a Christian. That, that's not what we're talking about today. What I'm wanting to do right now in this moment is, is don't you want to just start the journey and to just say, Jesus, we'll take it together from here. We're going to go from here. We'll, we'll, we'll kind of learn as we go, but I want to start it with you. And I've been praying that this would be more than just a book or some preacher telling you about Jesus, but that your ears would hear so that you could see not only does God exist, not only does God love you, not only is there a resurrection or after life, but he wants a relationship with you every day. It's not about the rules. It's not about all of the things you got to learn. It's just about knowing Jesus. And if you want to make that decision today, maybe you've never done it, you want to make that decision today while people's eyes are closed, 
Will you just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. I want to do that. No one's looking at you. Nobody's going to analyze what you're doing. Just raise your hand and say, yes, that's me. That's me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. In the back, thank you. Pray this with me. Everyone, take your hands. Just open them up like this. Just open your hands in this receiving position. And we're going to invite the Lord. Lord, right now, thank you for what you did on the cross. Thank you for giving us resurrection after this life. We believe. Lord, I'm praying for every person that raised their hand. I pray that their ears would hear, their eyes would see, that their hearts may be healed, and they would perceive the goodness of a Savior that loves them. That you're not holding out on them, that you're not holding back, but you desire to reveal yourself. So I pray that every person in this room who has not yet heard your voice and these ears, give them ears to hear so that they would know that not only do you love them, that you're wanting, you desire relationship with them in spite of all the things they've done, that you just see them and you love them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.